This is the Main Attraction Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Justin Strawn and Ryan Nelson. Welcome to the Main Attraction Podcast, where we discuss the biggest television shows and movies in the entertainment industry. I am your host, Justin Strawn. Joining me each week is the other host of the show who would never rat a guy out at a local bar, Ryan Nelson. I have been in that situation <laughs> where an ex-wife called that bar. It's not good. It's not, not, good. not good. Not good. But uh, I just want to welcome my fellow Gen Xers. Yes, Since right. we're the only generation that seems to like these movies. I know. The Christmas Story movies, which we will discuss later. So, welcome, Gen Xers. <laughs> we hope wasn't, you're doing it again. Wasn't, wasn't alternative movie and grunge <laughs> the best? We created hip-hop. Never That's right. forget that. That's right. We did. So, uh, if you've been listening to podcasts since we started back in January, thank you for continuing to listen and making us a part of your day. If you're new to the show, we hope you enjoyed as we talk about A Christmas Story Christmas on HBO Max. If you are new or a regular and would like more access to the show, visit our Patreon page and become a patron of The Main Attraction Podcast. Go to patreon.com slash Podcast, and you can get Patreon-only content. You can support us at a $3, $5, $10, or $20 level. When you join up, we'll shout you out here on the show. If you can't be a patron, you can help the show out by rating us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating, and if you have time, write us a review while you're there on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you want to interact with the show some more, you can send us an email at mainattractionpod at gmail.com. And you can also help us out by just listening to our show on Spotify because our uh, podcast platform is owned by Spotify, and that just helps us out quite a bit. And we would really, really appreciate it if you did. All right, so... Uh, I'm gonna let you start this off because you brought it up right before, and you brought it up in the in the intro. Uh, generation X, you, you said, is basically like the only generation that seems like this. Uh, you didn't. You don't think boomers like the uh, the well, boomers might like? Yeah, it boomer. I think well. boomers That's do too. Good. But yeah, yeah. but millennials and Gen Z are not huge fans of it. So, but I'll no. let you start off with that. So, I, I was talking to some friends just yesterday, and one of our my friends is a millennial and he was talking about how much he doesn't like the original movie and it was a bizarre reasoning and i've heard multiple people mention this that are millennials it's like well it was the only thing on for 24 hours yeah and mm -hmm. i was just like i wanted to slap them because <laughs> we came from a time where there were only three channels there were only three channels exactly yeah you got a hundred and something and there's mm -hmm. only one only one it was the only thing on well, change the channel, brother. Well, change the channel. And also, I mean, there's a reason that there's nothing on on Christmas Day right. is because right. everybody is, nobody's watching TV for the most part on Christmas Day. Yes. It's just not happening. <laughs> yeah. And I was just, I was just shocked that like, there's so many people with this same like feeling that they don't like it because of that. And then also I was trying to, I was talking to my uh, beautiful wife, Kim, whose birthday's coming up. Happy birthday Kim, I love you. Uh, but we were talking about why does Gen X love this movie more than any other generation? Probably Boomers as well. Yeah. And I was trying to think why. Now, granted, Peter Billingsley is in our generation. So yeah. that's, we grew up in a time with this. And like myself, like I remember watching this. This was a VCR staple yeah. before like you know, renting it. But I was trying to think, you know, we were, we were having a talk. We were talking like, do you think part of it is – Things like the the parents were similar to how our parents were, even though they were from the 40s or something. Right. Like my dad was a character. Right. Yeah. Uh, not, you know, he probably was. He wasn't as mean as the, yeah, the dad and yeah. Chris Story, but you know, I, I and I think a lot of our parents were that way. And then also, you know, we grew. I think part of it is we grew up watching 
reruns of shows from the 50s like I Love Lucy, right. uh, By Three Sons, you know, those Ozzy and Harriet and Andy Griffith. Do you think that kind of stuff is why we don't we connect to this movie? I'm just I don't know. I mean, part of it, uh, my connection to this movie is basically Every Christmas Eve, we would go to my grandparents. I don't know. I don't remember when TNT started playing at 24 hours starting on yeah. Christmas Eve, but it was sometime when I was a child. I think, a, I think it was in the 90s. Yeah, it was sometime in the 90s. And it was pretty much, it was in the early 90s too. Uh, and that's when we just started watching. I mean, we would, we always, our tradition on Christmas Eve was we would go over to my grandparents, we'd have a meal. And we'd go into the living room, we would turn on the Christmas story, we would watch it, and we did this every single year, and that's just kind of our, our tradition with it. And we did it because, it, look, my grandfather loved it. This I was looking up this morning when the original movie took place, because I wasn't exactly sure what year it was, and the best thing that anybody has come up with is 1940, because the decoder ring thing that he gets in that film, okay. there's like a bunch of versions of it, but the one that he gets came out in 1940 so uh this was so it makes sense this is probably 1940 film and my grandfather who would have been he would have been a child at this point uh he probably would have been a very very young child so you know this he loved it my grandmother loved it and she would have been the same way you know it's a lot of nostalgia for them and just in you know what how they grew up and all that type of stuff and you know we just thought it was funny and like i said we all just loved it we we thought it was just absolutely hysterical and i do think you're correct you know the thing about our generation we do have a little bit of appreciation for the prior generation probably more so than millennials and gen z does simply because we did watch a lot of television that came from private i mean i remember spending a lot of time uh like on friday nights watching nick at night when mr ed would come on my three Mm -hmm. sons would come on um my favorite martian uh all those shows which all took place like in the 50s and stuff so we did have a a a appreciation for the previous years ahead of us unlike i think that generation z and millennials to a certain extent not quite as bad even though i think that it's it's still there a little bit because my, I mean, my son has no idea. My son and my daughter have no idea what life was like in our age because they don't watch they don't watch films or movies or televisions that came from that area because that they don't watch television like we do. I mean, my daughter gets on YouTube right. and watches stuff on YouTube. My son watches golf videos on YouTube all the time. So there's a yeah. huge difference in the way yeah. that they consume media than what we do today. And I yeah. think you're 100 percent correct about that. So. Yeah, and I think you're making a, a good point. So I looked it up. The marathon started in '97. Okay, so TBS and T, TBS and TNT showed the movie multiple times a year before yeah. that. Okay, so that you still could have been watching all Christmas. Yeah, Eve, probably the marathon. Mm-hmm. You know what? And I think you're making a good point about this was a movie you could watch with your your parents and your grandparents. Mm-hmm. And they would tell you, like, oh, I, yeah. my, my, my parents were born in the late 40s, but they remember listening to radio stuff, mm-hmm. even though it had to be the end of that. Yeah, or, sure. or what they, 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 I'm believing them. They may have been lying, but, you know, right. they, they connected to that movie. My grandmother lived with us. She would have been the same age as the parents in that movie. So, you know, I think that's part of it, too, that we had that fa- the fam- our parents, our grandparents right. were, were from that era. So we were all connected to it. So we could buy into that nostalgia that probably or later generations couldn't. Because right. that's it's to me, man, 
we we did a Patreon. This is my favorite Christmas Christmas yeah. story. It's my favorite, hands down. I watched it the other day, and I watched this movie again, the one where, and I loved it so much. Yeah. It still brought so much joy, and I have to say, this movie did too. I was a little bit worried, and I'll start moving to the to our uh, Christmas story Christmas. I was a little concerned that the second time I watched it, because I loved it the first time right. I watched it, I was, this movie should not have been good. Yeah, you're correct. You're Every correct about that. Everything about this movie should have been bad. When I saw the a trailer that came out, it was really just a teaser trailer. Yeah. I thought, oh god, they're going to kill this. This is going to be terrible. This yeah. is. Uh, I, I'm just sad. Peter Billingsley's doing this. It was great. It was fantastic. And then, like I said, if you watch the original and, and watch it back to back, even if, if it's on your second or third time you're still going to like it. Yeah. This movie, it should not be this good. They pulled it off. I have to give them so much credit. Yeah, I, I will be honest. I liked it the first time, uh, and I was afraid when I watched it. I was like, I remember thinking after I got into watching it, like, it was good, but I'm afraid that when I go back to watch it a second time, because I knew we were going to cover it, I was like, I'm, I don't think it's, it's going to hold up as well in the second viewing. And it actually did, which I was surprised by. Yeah. I, I thought it would really not hold together very well. As a matter of fact, I think I liked it more the second time that I watched it. I think I might, I think I might have too. I, I think I hit some of the sentimental stuff hit me more the second time. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. And like I said, look, it's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination. No. Uh, I, it's, I think the first one is better, but and it's, oh, yeah. uh, I mean, it is basically, look, if you don't like the first one, you're not going to like this one. Uh, there is yeah. no question about that. So if you were, you know, if you're wanting somebody to try to sell you on watching this and you didn't like the first one, I, I can't sell you on that because, I mean, this, it relies a heavily, heavily, heavily on stuff that happened in the first one to kind of ring those bells and make you think about that first movie that you, if you loved it, you're like, Oh yeah, I'm glad that they're kind of making some callbacks here. And if you didn't love it, you're like, it just, it does nothing for you. So, uh, but like, it's like you said, this was both of our top rated Christmas movies. It's our favorite Christmas yeah. movie. The original one was, uh, so it makes sense that we would like this because it does have some nostalgia for us. So it doesn't well, go ahead. And I was going to say, the first movie has something working for it that this movie doesn't have, and there's no way. Peter Billingsley, as a kid, is was the Macaulay Culkin of his time. Yeah, he was. He like, was in tons of commercials. He was in tons. His performance is so unbelievable. Really, in both movies, but as a kid, yeah, you should not be that talented as a kid at that movie. Right. There's yeah. just no way. And what's and surprising like, is he ended up kind of leaving. He, I mean, he did act, act some more, yeah. but he kind of went the right. the directing and production side of uh, Hollywood after this. So. I know, which is surprising because if you watch this, he is really good. Yeah, he really is. He still has the same facials mm -hmm. and his narration. You know, because like uh, Gene Shepard, the actual author, right narrate the first movie he does just he as does good just as job good. being mm. narrated and then also like him delivering because i know gene shepherd did like radio shows that's how he became famous and he was writing his books and then they became famous because he was doing tales on the radio mm. but like he has the same tone right and yeah. the same like uh sarcasm and everything when he's delivering and like there were i love that they kept in the grandiose dreams and his visions. Yes, I did too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then like Peter Billingsley looked in the camera like he did his little Ralphie a couple of times, and I was like, "You still got it, man. Yeah, he does. Good for you." 
Yeah, he really does. And like I said, it's, I mean, they use, this is a film that uses, that relies heavily on nostalgia. And it's a little bit more of a struggle with, I mean, it's kind of the same situation that Top Gun is, was in Top, without Gun yeah. Maverick. The difference yeah. is you have, you, you're not bringing back as many people as you possibly can. You're just bringing right. back, for the most part, the only person you're bringing back in that one was uh, Maverick. And this one, they're well, trying Don to bring. Kilmer. Well, and Val Kilmer, too. Uh, he's in it for, obviously, like five minutes. But yeah. uh, that one was, you know, bringing in brand new cast. With the, with Maverick having been an adult when the first one took place, you know, he can kind of take on the mentor role. The The difficulty in this one is all these people have grown up. I mean, the people that you're right. so accustomed to. And you know, obviously the dad, uh, Gavin McGraw, I think that's his name. Uh, no, that's a singer. It's uh, uh Darren McGavin. Darren McGavin. Oh, uh, yeah. There we go. Yeah. I knew it was Mick something. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, he he passed away back in 2006. The mom who played in the original one, uh, she retired. Melinda Dillon. Yeah, she yeah. retired. So she's not in this. Uh, she's been replaced by what is the lady's name? Julie Haggerty. Yeah, Julie from, Haggerty. Uh, most known for airplane. airplane yeah. Right. Uh, she replaces Mrs. Parker, but for the most part, everybody else is the same, and they bring back yeah. the most weirdest thing about this. Uh, R.D. Rob plays Schwartz. Uh, and he's actually he's been doing a lot of production stuff as well and then you've got then you've got scott schwartz who plays flick so you have the yeah. kid named schwartz not playing shorts which has always yeah. been confusing and, and, to me and scott schwartz was a big uh you know kid actor because he was in the toy uh with uh with richard Pryor richard and Pryor. jackie gleason which was a big movie and he was in another one now granted he had some weird stuff happen to him he Got into some adult, adult film when things got. <laughs> I went when looked up. Bad. I went to ChristmasStoryHouse.com dot com or something like that. It's like the 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 site that's dedicated to like the, yeah. the house and and the, like there's this weird blurb about him. Like he he made a questionable foray into adult films. I was like, do what? <laughs> he went into yeah. adult films. And I went and looked because, up his IMDb. Uh, and there's like all this list of it, like uh, the Devil and Miss Jones six and stuff uh, like that. I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, you know, Scotty uh, hasn't aged very well either so no, that's an interesting foray that of all people yeah but you know uh, i thought one of the people who was really good and and it and you actually see this guy in other stuff zach ward as scott yes Marcus. he is he's really good when i saw that i was like oh man i because you see this guy on regular tv shows yeah he's not like yeah, a huge star or anything but he's yeah. had, he's had a good little career of doing like side roles yeah. and small parts right right so i was like and he was he was really good especially when they had this where where uh ralphie's having the vision of him as an adult yeah and he's got the braces and the hat yeah. back on and he's doing the <laughs> laugh i was like oh it's so good but you know i was gonna say too this movie and while other movies similar to this fail the callbacks did not feel forced. No, they didn't. They didn't yeah. feel forced. Because, you know, like, I'll, I'll give you an example of a movie that was several years later that's not good. Dumb and Dumber 2. Oh, gosh, yeah. And <laughs> they, have, they have callbacks to the first movie, and they feel so forced. Right, they do. And they're not funny at all. Oh, and then uh, I want to shout out Darren McGavin, because cause we're all Gen Xers, most likely. He is a Gen Xer like icon because he was the dad in Billy Madison. Yeah, he was his well. dad, Billy Madison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so everyone knows him. Yeah, he he, he was really good. I, I mean, he was just great in that part. Uh, let's talk a little specifics about this. I thought I thought it was interesting that they made this. Like they, they do put a little bit of a downer tone on this uh, a yeah. little bit with making it about him dying, like 
before, like, obviously uh, he wasn't going to be on this because he had passed away so many years ago. I, when I started this, I thought they would have kind of just, you know, mentioned him like, you know, always wanted to pay tribute to him. But the fact that they are making this about his death for the most part, it did yeah. give a little bit of a downer tone to it. That, and that's probably the one, only the one of the few things I didn't like about it uh, because you do have to get, there's so much kind of this warning period you have there at the very beginning and they eventually get past it and they get to the funny yeah. stuff, but it is a little bit of a downer there at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see that. I can see that complaint. Cause you know, that's not like in a lot of, fun christmas movies right but but to me i don't know it, it just it it brought something that like you know ralphie had to step up he yeah. has not mm-hmm. been stepping up at christmas and, and i thought that kind of added to it um and also I, I like how you know the message is like everyone thinks their parents like they nailed christmas right. and it was so easy for them and it's not easy for anyone. No, it's not. It is not easy at all. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and you're you're right. I mean, that's and that's always a pressure. I mean, look, my wife and I yeah. were talking this morning, you know, about you know, do we have enough stuff for the kids? Do we have you know, is everything lined up the way that we want it to be? Or have we, you know, make sure that you know, when we were kind of in this weird age because there's a five year gap between my daughter and my son, so like my daughter ends up getting more stuff because she doesn't ask for like as much as much big stuff and my son who's golf and golf is expensive and that's where a lot of his presents come from so uh you know his stuff is expensive he doesn't get as much i'm like it it all ends up it all kind of evens out in the end but my wife has this difficulty just because she's an engineer and when she sees you know the piles you know my daughter's end up being a little bit larger because she asked for less expensive stuff and my son's isn't quite as big so she has a hard time with that i'm like we can't spend right. this much we can't just spend a whole bunch yeah. more just to make you know his side bigger but uh and it, that's a, that's a struggle i mean that is such mm-hmm. a you're you're 100 correct it is not simple especially when you start putting your own kids into it because you just want to make sure their christmas is absolutely perfect you really and when you have your own kids you're you want you're fine with whatever you get and all that type of stuff, but you're right. focused so much on the kids. And I, I, I was very much like him when, when I was feeling this, and I was I was right there with him. Like, yeah, you want to make it perfect, and it's not it's not easy, right? And I remember uh, just real quickly. I remember being like in junior high, and like my I have a brother that's nearly ten years younger, and my sister is like four years, and I, and. My, I have a brother that's a year younger, and my brother that's a year younger, like, we were getting, like, clothes right. and stuff, and I just remember, like, like disappointing, like, crap, is this what Christmas is going to be like from this <laughs> on? And I remember, like, both of us just looking disappointed, and my parents being defensive about it, like, you know, <laughs> you don't want toys, and I, and I, looking back, you know, 30 years later, I feel terrible about oh, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both my parents are gone. I can't, you know, apologize for right. my behavior. But you're right, though. You know, my parents are probably thinking they're doing the right thing to get us, like, some clothes and stuff yeah. and new stuff. And, like, here we are with some whiny baby teen <laughs> boys. You know? Yeah, but that is a weird, weird, that is a weird yeah. recognition when, as a as a child and, and your teens or whatever year it starts happening, when you're not getting the toys and you're not getting the things that are fun or whatever. You're getting stuff that's more useful. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, that's makes sense. So uh, it's, but there's a weird recognition. Like, you know, you get clothes or whatever and you're like, you know, clothes are always, uh, who cares about clothes? But you're like that moment when you realize, well, there's not really anything else that I want. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's it's, it's a weird spot to be in. Uh, But 
like I said, so they end up going, they live in Chicago. I think it's interesting the fact that they took the route of making Ralphie wanting to be a writer uh, because this mm-hmm. is, this, the, they're kind of playing back on the original thing of when he was writing his theme, he thought he was going to write a great theme. Uh, he thought he was this great yeah. writer and he ends up getting a C minus on his, on his theme. And that kind of was a shock to him, but he obviously, you know, instilled in him some love of writing, but he obviously still has some things to learn about because he apparently wrote like this 2000 page manuscript for whatever story he was. And some kind of, it appeared to be science fiction, right? Yeah, Neptune I think so. Yeah. yeah. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but it, you know, he obviously still had quite a bit to learn and, you know, I, I would imagine, I don't remember what year Dune came out, but it was probably close to this time. So, and it was an 800 page story. So my guess is, you know, that's, what he's thinking is the longer the better. And this was this was in December of seventy three. Uh, was it seventy three? Okay, I can't remember. If it was yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah the Pulitzer Prize thing was seventy four, so it would have made sense that seventy three. That Pulitzer Prize thing. Uh, so you know he was he desperately wanted to be a writer. They had saved up enough money for him to give it a go for a year. Uh, and I like the fact that when he we he meets with this editor or whatever it is that he's or head of a publishing house or whatever, you know he tries to bribe him just kind of like he tried to bribe his teacher with the big huge fruit basket in the original right, right. one uh and yes. the, the guy open pulls his drawer open and like throws the the whiskey or whatever it is in there <laughs> with all the others that he's been given right uh good stuff like i said and it is absolutely hitting all those nostalgic bones uh just fantastic but then obviously he learns that uh his mom calls uh his dad has passed away and this is and they have to make the trip up to they have to make up the trip up to chicago but you know, they're doing the, the thing that a lot of parents do, you know, when they're talking to their kids about Christmas and all this type of stuff. And the daughter says, you know, well, what do you want for, for Christmas? And, you know, he just kind of jokingly aside says, I need a, trans, uh, a radiator for whatever kind of car it was that he drove. And, you know, she clocks that and she makes it becomes her mission to find him a radiator. And I thought that was just a really right. neat little thing that they did. Yeah. And that was, and, you know, if you remember the first movie, the, the, the dad wanted a radiator right. for the mm-hmm. furnace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. that I, li- I like that. Uh, also, is a Midwest souffle an actual thing? I was wondering the same eggs? thing. I, I meant to check it, but I didn't. I was yeah. wondering if that was the case. If, that, if you could put a cracked egg inside of a radiator to to seal up any leaks, and at least for a little while, I was wondering if that was very yeah. much the case. But I don't know. So, uh, but they get back to they get back to Indiana. This is where the house that he grew up in, and. You know, the neighborhood really hasn't changed. The Bumpuses are still there with their hounds. Uh, oh, there's man. still a bully there. Now that this bully has, the, the bully this time, though, has a a, 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 uh, a snowmobile, which was, uh, I didn't realize those were a thing, but apparently they had them back then. Uh, but like I said, so you're just getting all the nostalgic vibes. I do say this. I, I think the hardest part for anybody in this is by um, Aaron Hayes, who plays Sandy Parker, yes. because what makes this difficult for her is because you know this is a quirky family the, the mom's quirky peter billingsley's yeah. uh ralphie is quirky uh the the neighborhood is quirky everybody's all these kind of so they're you have to kind of force something quirky onto this character who's not been a part of this and has no connection to the previous one i think she has the hardest time and i I think she does well, but I do think if there anything feels forced in this, I think it's the idea that she's like this, you know, this person who desires to be a, a figure skater without any athletic ability. I think that's the only thing that really felt forced to me. What did you think? Yeah, they didn't. Uh, she, I'm with you. She does a good job. I think they should have 
uh, like giving her a little bit more to do. Yeah, I think so too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was that's you could definitely say that because obviously she's very funny. And if you look at her, you know, IMDb, she's done a lot of yes, yes. really good comedy, but uh, I, I think she does a good job. But yeah, we, we could have, uh, as with many movies, we could have made the wife a little better. Yeah. And it's look there. You don't come to this to see her. That's the issue. That's the problem right. with this is you're yeah. coming to see the, about Ralphie and what yeah. his life has been like for the past 40 years. That's why you're coming to this film. But He's obviously going to be married. You're, you know, you're going to put that in there. He's obviously going to have kids, so you're going to put that in there. But, but trying to make that kind of work into this yeah. story, this nostalgic story, it's, that's a difficult. That's a difficult task, and I think it's it one. Of, it's one of the weaker points, but it's just kind of a necessary thing. And you know, it is what it is. Uh, I like the fact that we get Artie Rob, and we talked about them a second ago. Ash Schwartz, we get uh, yeah. Scott Schwartz back as Flick, uh, and the three of them. I will say this: it's been forty years since they've done anything together, but they pick right back up with the chemistry that those three had. It was fantastic. I thought the same thing, man. And R.D. Rob, uh, like you said, has been behind the camera a lot, man. He had that same mischief that uh, uh, Schwartz had in the in the original. Yeah, they were really good, and they still delivered their little punchlines of mm-hmm. the double dog there and all that. I, I really loved it, and I loved how when they're all three standing by each other, they show the picture of them mm-hmm. as kids. You know, some people might not like it like that. I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought it was great too. It was obviously just a screenshot of the, of the movie, <laughs> yeah, but, right, but nevertheless, right. it's still, I man, thought it was good. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. Uh, but yeah, those three together are just great. I think it's great that uh, flick has been holding a grudge against Schwartz all these years <laughs> later on. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know, I will say this, you know, Peter, or not Peter, uh, Ralphie as a parent, uh, I think it's pretty obvious that he's, a, he, they're presenting these people as really good parents, flawed parents. Yeah. And like, I will say this, like when he makes the, when they're putting the tree up and he says, you know, Santa won't come, uh, Santa doesn't come oh, to, yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm like, dude, you've been, his son looks like he's been about, he's about 10 years old. I'm like, you've been doing this for a while now, dude. You know, not to say something like Santa's not coming if a star right. is and all that. You, you, this, know, that that's a rookie parent move, dude. Like, right, what are you right. thinking? And obviously yeah, it breaks. I think he was, uh, putting too much pressure on himself since he was now the man of the right. Christmas, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but, but I'm with you. I was like, what are you doing? You know that was going to backfire. <laughs> and it does. You don't tell kids that kind of stuff. You don't tell them that kind of stuff because it breaks and he's got to find a star on Christmas Eve. And he ends up going to Flick's bar and breaks in and gets the gets the star. And the cop who is waiting for him is none other than Scott Farkas, played by Zach Ward. And I was waiting for I, I figured they were going to bring him in at some point in this. Yeah. And this is when they bring yeah. him in. And it's just kind of like the, the thing that kind of wraps everything together is the guy who was a bully who and like ralphie thinks he's gonna go to jail like they have this scene like he's in jail for like ever and his kids are old and all this type of stuff oh man that was so funny great scene so he thinks he's getting ready to take him jail he's never going to get let out because because he knows what he did to scott farkas though so those all those years ago but he ends up taking him to his house uh and it's great the fact that this was a turning moment for for Scott Farkas. Apparently, you know he yeah. he thought you know when this happened he thought about his life, the choices he was making, and now he's a police officer for the town. I can't remember the name of the town, uh, but you know just a great moment between the two of them. And 
I, like I said, it, it, the, you know, you don't get you, there are a few moments in this where you kind of start to tear up. That was kind of one of them that I started to tear up a little bit. I, I think the same thing, and I love how they show uh, Grover Dill, Scott Farkas's partner, for a second. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they show him as like you know a forty-something-year-old guy with his hat on, yeah. like uh-huh. laughing too. I'm with you. I, I like how like, and and I'll be honest. After watching the original before this. Boy, he really whipped Scott Farkas really yeah, good. He I did. mean, he mm-hmm. puts a pounding on him, and it obviously woke him up. But like you said, he was a changed man. And I, I, I'm i with you. I love where he was like, well, here we are. Isn't this your house? Mm-hmm. And, and like, you know, Scott just being nice to him. And like, uh, m- maybe a friendship could happen. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that happening. So. Yeah. Uh, and the story ends, obviously, the next day. Uh yeah, I'll say this. I love the fact that the star has is a is a beer logo star. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, but uh, that's uh, but they wake up the next day and he had submitted his story of his father as an obituary because he wrote the obituary, and basically the story was a Christmas story. That's and that's kind yeah, of yeah. that's kind of how this thing comes full circle. Uh, and you know, this he finally gets published. Uh, he's going to get his dream come true uh, being a writer, being a published writer and he's, he's obviously going to get a job with the paper and become a writer for them. It may not have been the way that he thought he was going to become uh, a writer and you know, it just took his, you know, the speech that his mother gave him before he wrote that obituary is kind of what what truly unlocked the writing ability that he, he needed and right. you know, it's it's just a nice little touching story and i thought it was fun so and let's not forget like this was a legitimate job back in the yeah. day oh, yeah. mm-hmm. where you would write for a national syndicate syndicated uh column right and especially one like this you know where it had heart and humor i mean yeah it's like dave barry and those guys back dave then barry was mm-hmm. who i was thinking about yeah yeah so uh and what was lewis grizzard yeah mm-hmm so, so he, I mean, there were people that did this, mm-hmm. and I think Jim Shepard kind of somewhat I think did you're right. like this. Yeah, so uh, just a good look. It, like I said, it is a nostalgic movie. It is a movie that uh, is not perfect, and I don't want to focus on the flaws. It, it had some, uh, but you know, it, this is if you like the original, you're going to like this, and it's, yeah. it's made for those people who like the original. So. And, and it's a love letter to your parents. Yeah, it is. Too. You're right. Yeah, you know. Especially if you're if you're our age and you realize you know how you know you're flawed and right. you're like man my parents did the best they could and they actually did a good job that's you know when I watch something like that and it I think that's why the second view and made me think that even more and then also I wanted to briefly mention I love where Ralphie's in the attic and you kind of see the the pink rabbit oh, uh, yeah. costume mm-hmm. yeah. you see the leg uh, you see the leg lamp. Like right. you see mm-hmm. the the top, uh, you know, you see uh, there was something else from uh, oh the the Red Rider BB gun, yeah, the Red Rider BB gun. Oh no, you know they didn't really pan on it too much, but right. it's just enough, man. They they really uh, they really did a good job uh, of just like panning back to that old the old movie, and then also it felt like the old it felt like the original. Yeah, it the color of it, the same music, mm-hmm. like. They must have, and Peter Billingsley and the writer, and uh, which bizarre, the Peter Billingsley wrote this with the guy that mostly works on Eastwood movies. The guy wrote really? Gran Torino and Cry <laughs> Macho and The Mule, so that's bizarre that he was. But they must have really studied the old movie because it was a lot of, like I said, the same tone, right. a lot of the same music. They made sure not to mess up the callback so they right. really did a good job this should not have worked as this well no it, it should not have worked as well 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. It should not have been. It was much better than I expected it to be. And like I said, the second time, I thought it was better than the first time. So uh, yeah. I enjoyed it. I really liked it a lot. And uh, it was just good. It was, it's good. Uh, if yeah. you haven't seen it, uh, we didn't really spoil that much of it. So uh, yeah. if you listened to him and watched it, maybe we convinced you to go watch it. So uh, and, I, and I'm with and I'm with the second group. Avoid the carolers. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on this. I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge Caroler brand myself. So, uh, are we ready to do our award for this? Let's do it, man. All right. So here on the main attraction podcast, whenever we wrap up a movie, we do six awards based on the six characters of Friends. So up first, we have the Rachel, the star of the movie. Who is your Rachel? I'm going uh, Peter Billingsley as yeah. Ralphie. Yeah. I mean, he it just kills it. Yeah, and. He- to be such a great kid actor and to still have it mm-hmm. as a 50-year-old adult is is really impressive because many of his peers that have done the same thing don't have it. Well, that's what I was saying earlier is that most of his career in Hollywood ever since this uh yeah. ever since he became an adult has been as a producer as a director uh he hasn't done a whole lot of acting. He's done some, right. but not a whole lot of acting since uh he was in hollywood i mean he helped produce uh iron man he helped produce yeah, look he met vince vaughn yeah mm-hmm. on an after school special in the late 80s right. and they have become like best friends which brought him to the realm of john favreau so it's just crazy that he's good friends with favreau and yeah, vaughn i mean it's just because Va- vince vaughn is one of the producers of this yeah he is himself yeah. uh but yeah but he's the star of it I and mean, like i said and the fact yeah. that he still has really good acting chops this many yeah. years i mean just his, and honestly you know if he didn't want to do a whole lot of on-set stuff if he if there were films or movies that required narrators it, it, it's something if you ask me you, you should consider because oh, yeah. he was really good Absolutely. at that so yeah uh next is the joey uh who is your joey for this film you mentioned her earlier. I think she had the hardest role, and that's Aaron Hayes as Sandy as Sandy Parker. I, I went with her as a Joey. I thought I thought she did a good job. Uh, I have her in a different role, but uh, the for me, I've got Julia Hagerty as Miss Parker here. I just she's just a lovable character. I mean, she is. So, she is. Uh, that's the reason I ended up going with her because that's kind of what the Joey is. Joey's just a lovable character, so that's the mm-hmm. reason I went, I went with her here. So uh, next is the Chandler, the person who made you laugh the most. Who is your Chandler? I, this is where I went with Julie Her- okay. ha- Haggerty as Miss Park. She cracked me up. The Carroller thing, yeah, that was good. And how like she, like how she just kind of even babied Ralphie still. So I, I don't know. I thought she was very funny in this movie. I went with two here just because I, I, they are they have to be put together almost. And that's Artie Robbins Schwartz and Scott Schwartz's flick. Uh, yeah, I just I, they were funny whenever they were together, especially with Ralphie. Uh, and like I said, I mean, the, it's almost like they're playing two halves of one character for the most part i know uh so that's the reason i can end up putting them here so uh the phoebe is your oddball of the cast who is your phoebe this is where i, I did some you i went with schwartz as rd rob okay. and flick as scott uh i mean scott schwartz i didn't know where else to put them you know you're right that they could have easily been the chandler they were really good and they, they were. delivered and i wanted to put them somewhere so i had them as the phoebe i put aaron hayes here because like i said she's she's the oddball because her role just doesn't really fit in it yeah. with anything else uh look like i said i think she did i thought she did good but she she was given the most difficult role you know let's right. put this part that no one has any 
nostalgic memory for into a, an incredibly nostalgic film uh, that is basically going to be asking people to remember things yeah. from the previous film. So uh, yeah, this is where, as you talk, I like your rankings much better than mine. So that's <laughs> <the> reason. <laughs> so that's well, like I said, to me, I thought it just was a good fit yeah. for her. So uh, the Monica, who is a character that is still important, but just hasn't really, we haven't really given their due yet. Who is your Monica? So this is where I went with Ralphie's children. Cause I thought they did a good, a good job one. too. Yeah. They were, they were not annoying children actors. So that's uh, River Drosh as Mark and Juliana Lynn as Julie. I thought they did a good job. They brought some laughs, and they weren't annoying. Yeah, that, that's always important with child actors. So yeah. uh, This is where I went with Scott Ward, uh, Zach Ward as Scott Farkas, uh, just because this was kind of like the final piece that tied everything together to me, uh, yeah. bringing him into it and giving, you know, kind of getting some closure for both of them, really, uh, to that fight that happened, you know, nearly 40 years yeah. ago. So uh, that's where right. I went with it. Next is the Ross character you didn't like or a character that just uh, the actor didn't portray very well or just the character was supposed to not be liked. Who was your Ross? I went with angry spouses who call bars as one. <laughs> and then I, I put Scott Farkas as uh, Zach, uh, Zach Ward as Scott Farkas, even though he's he's perceived as a villain, even though he wasn't. Right. But uh, I, he, he did a really good job. This is where I went with Henry Miller as Larry Novak. I I didn't get the whole Larry Novak thing. I'll just be perfectly honest. Yeah, with that you. that that was kind of a miss. Yeah, I guess he that, was uh, he was because we didn't know him. No, we don't remember him. They create this like previous like high school quarterback storyline. I'm like, okay, I don't really get this. I don't really care about this. That that's one of the few misses that this film does have. Uh, like they're trying to introduce this character, and I'm like, I really don't understand why we're trying to introduce this character, and it just didn't work for me. So. All right. On the Main Traction Podcast, we do a rating system. At the top of our rating system is a Game of Thrones. Beneath the Game of Thrones is a loss. Middle of the road for us is a Friends. Beneath the Friends is a Full House. At the bottom of the barrel is a uh, Baywatch. So how are you rating a Christmas Story Christmas? I went with the loss. This movie is not as good as it should be. Uh, it it really could be more on the friends level but the fact that they pulled this off so well and this is something i could see myself watching every year and i really enjoyed it and like you mentioned i thought it was better this almost better the second time which i'm i'm even more surprised about that so i'm i'm rating as a loss this is a good movie this is a good christmas movie right that uh, i have i have to give them a lot of props especially peter billingsley being the writer and so much being on him because if this failed it's on him and he's done i honestly think they could make more of these they could do more stories. Yeah, they probably could. They probably could. I, I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm going with the loss as well. I honestly thought after the first viewing it'd be a friends, and then yeah. on second viewing, I was like, you know what? It, it's really kind of a loss. I, I liked it a lot more than I really I, thought I did. I thought the same thing when I watched it on Friday. I thought I'm going to make this. A, well, I, I know this is going to be a friends, and you know, I think watching them back to back helped it even more. They may have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case at all. So, but yeah, it, it, it's just I, I know really I keep saying this. They should not have pulled this off so well. No, they shouldn't have. And look, and maybe, and look, we could be biased because we do like the first one so much, and that may be yeah. one of the reasons that it is that we're pushing it up as high as we are. But like I said, in 
if you're not, if you're watching this and you didn't like the first one, I don't know why you're watching it. So, right, right, <laughs> I right. mean, I can understand if you're sitting there screaming at us, I hate this movie, I hate this movie, I hate the first one. Well, you probably shouldn't have watched, watched this being with, but nevertheless. So, but yeah. I, I'm with you on this. It, it's a loss. Like I said, I thought we'd kind of be a friends, but second viewing, I really thought it was a lot better. I thought it, it connected with it a little bit more, and I, I just really enjoyed it. So, yep. all right. On the Main Attraction Podcast, we like to do recommendations for our listeners. Uh, do you got any recommendations this week? Yeah, I've got, I've actually got a few. So, uh, th- this first movie is on Peacock and, and just left the theater. That is uh, Ticket to Paradise starring yeah, Julia Roberts and George Clooney. I really enjoyed it. It's it's a fun romantic comedy with two incredible megastars. It's, if you're looking for something to fun to watch with your family uh, or your significant others, this is a good one to watch. So, Ticket to Paradise, it's on Peacock. Second one is The Banshees of Inishirin. I started, uh, I didn't get the, a chance to finish it. Yeah, it's on HBO Max. I, I thought this was good. It's dark. It's a dark comedy, but uh, it is almost like an Irish folklore. Uh, it's on HBO Max. Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, if you watch their other movie in Bruges, it was a dark comedy too, but a little bit different story. But I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I don't know if it would have made my top ten, but I, I thought it was good, and I can I can kind of see oh why it's getting Oscar uh, Oscar bait. I just dropped my phone that oh, was yeah. on my notes, uh, so I can see that. Uh, and then also um, the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Uh, I saw this when it came out in 2013, and it was on HBO Max. And my wife was like, "I'd like to watch that again," and we watched it last night, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not sure why it. this. It's really good, and it's PG. You can watch it with the whole family. It's Who's like in a, it? It's uh, Ben Stiller. Oh, okay, okay. I ben Stiller, now. Kristen Wiig, Adam Scott, uh, and Catherine Hahn, Sean Penn. It's really good. I think your family may even like it. And if it was, it came out in 2013, right. Christmas Day, for some reason, just never caught on. Yeah. And it's actually really good. And if this movie doesn't happen, we don't get severance, because this is where... Ben Stiller works with Adam Scott. Adam Scott, and that leads to severance. So thank you, uh, thank you, Secret Life Ben of Stiller. <laughs> um, so yeah, 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 Secret Life of Walter Mitty. It's on HBO Max. Uh, I also want to mention, since it's Christmas time, and thank you, Joanna, for Robinson from The Ringer for reminding me this. Station Eleven is a Christmas show. Yeah, it, so it is. Mm-hmm. It involves several times during Christmas. So Station Eleven. The first thing we covered on this podcast, mm-hmm. we both loved it. It's it's worth watching. Uh, and then I'm going to mention one more thing that you mentioned, I believe, last episode. Uh, Emily the Cr- Criminal starring Aubrey Plaza yeah. on Netflix. I really I thought it was fantastic. It actually has a very interesting message as well yeah. about how hard uh, criminals, uh, former criminals, have to find work and stuff. Yeah. But it's uh, really good. Also stars uh, Theo Rossi from... Uh, Sons of Anarchy, if you've ever watched that. So, uh, yeah, so he he was good as well as, as one of the criminals. But right. I thought it was good. So uh, I'll put those out there. Oh, I'm going to one. I'm not going to recommend. I'm a huge fan of Sebastian Maniscalco. He has a new uh, comedy set on uh, on Netflix. Do not recommend it. Watch his other stuff. He does a lot of boomer jokes. Oh, really? 
and COVID stuff, and I was very disappointed. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, for me, I've got a couple. Uh, first thing I want to recommend, uh, I was listening to the Ringerverse uh, on on uh, the Ringer on uh, the Ringer podcast, and they did uh, Jummy Dinner on. They did a, a, a podcast basically on things that weren't they, they didn't cover in 2022, some things that they were recommending that people might go back and watch. And one of the things they recommended was Pantheon on AMC+. It is an anime type show look it's technically anime because the fact that it is not done in japan uh but uh it's animated it is all about uploaded intelligences uh this idea that you can take your brain scan it into a computer and you're you kind of live on forever in this uh in a cyber world or whatever it is completely compelling it was it's really truly a, a fantastic show like i know a lot it turns a lot of, animation turns a lot of people off uh if, if you're not into adult animation because it's it has some really heavy 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 storylines uh but the moment it started uh i was just absolutely captivated it's got some really good strong voice actors it has uh it has paul dano uh as one of the oh. uh one of the voice actors it's got daniel day kim uh and it's got aaron eckhart uh as one of the voice actors as well oh. uh it is it's look it's not funny at all it is it is a serious serious drama uh and just like i said i wasn't expecting to like it nearly as much as i did but when i started when i turned it on and started going i was like wow this is just it is just a completely compelling storyline. It gets into a little of, it does some anime tropes there at the end that I'm not just a real big fan of, but for the most part, I was just completely in, in uh, thralled by it. So that's on, it's Pantheon. It's on AMC plus, uh, it's super sci-fi. It's super techie. Uh, so that may turn some people off because it gets into some technical stuff and some technical jargon, but they do a good job of explaining it as it goes along. So the other thing I want to recommend, I want to recommend and not recommend at the same time. Uh, if you have not seen Black Adam yet, if you haven't seen it yet, I would recommend going to HBO Max and going ahead and watching it. And my recommendation would be to watch it the one time, enjoy it that one time, and never, ever, ever go back to it again. Because I went back and watched it a second time, and everything I hate about what The Rock does in in a film oh, no. like this, it just it is so amplified the second time you watch it. And I'm like... Oh man, this is not good. I mean, you know, you talk about movies that get better or get worse than when you see them a second or third time. Man, that movie does not hold up on a second viewing. So, oh no. Okay. If, but if, like I said, you'll like it if you haven't seen it. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll you'll, yeah. you'll have fun with it. But when you watch it a second time, you kind of know. You, you, I mean, there there are some issues with it, and you kind of know that going into it, and you're like, oh yeah, those really stick out when you're watching it a second time. So, uh, have you seen it yet? No, I haven't. I know it's on HBO Max. Yeah. I'm like I said, you'll, the first time you watch it, I think you will overall enjoy it. But and it changes the uh, DC. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, James Gunn is doing enough changing of the hierarchy. I know. I was about to say. Right I mean, he's yeah. gotten rid of Superman. He's gotten rid yeah. of. I mean, so I, like I have Patty no, Jenkins. Yeah. yeah, he's gotten rid of Patty Jenkins. So I don't really know what all they're doing over there. I, I trust James Gunn to get things right, but they've yeah. got a long way to go with that stuff. So, but yeah, uh, like I said, the second viewing of of Black Adam was not good for me. So, uh, but like I said, the first viewing I, I kind of enjoyed. Second viewing, not nearly as much. So. All right, so those are our recommendations. Uh, anything else? Oh, I was going to shout out. Uh, Paul Dano was on the Hot Ones uh, uh, 
YouTube show, you know, where they eat the hot wings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Celebrities. Paul Dano is actually on this week, and he was actually sort of normal, and it was a good episode. So <laughs> let me recommend that one. Well, he's never but normal. Paul Dano is very very scary guy yeah, but he, he was be. actually pretty normal yeah yeah he can be he can be very he can be he can be really scary in certain ways so uh anything else you want to add before we head off i just want to appreciate everyone joining us and you have a merry christmas and we will talk to you next time i would echo those same sentiments and if you haven't seen eight big christmas go back and watch it because we're getting ready to talk about it in just a second but until then may all of your entertainment dreams come true